it takes two years to train and then like 10 to 20 years to master it through practice. And that systematic approach to training gives a very clear structure, which was incredibly helpful and liberating for me. Look, there are too many actors. It's not like lawyers and doctors where we need lots of them. And so the only way to have an edge is to be the best person in the room. And the only way to be consistently the best person in the room is to work your butt off. I can't tell you how many actors I've worked with who the feedback they get is, we loved your work, but we're going in a different direction. You can't take that personally. You just have to get back on the horse. Maybe you're not going to vote for the same person that person votes for. Maybe you don't have the same taste in music, but you should be able to count on the fact that if they're in class with you, they're just as all in as you are. Fear is going to come in. Don't listen to that voice. Acknowledge it, but say, I, I want to do this. And then what is the first step you can take towards that? And just keep taking steps one by one by one. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success podcast and my virtual world tour. Uh, I've been to Australia, uh, I've been to Toronto, uh, I've been to Los Angeles, and now I am in New York today uh, meeting virtually with an amazing man who has dedicated his life to the art of acting and coaching others. He's the founder of Terry Knickerbocker uh, Coaching Acting Studio, and he loves to help others perform and excel in this beautiful art. So let's welcome Terry Knickerbocker. Peter, that was a great introduction, and I, I have to say I love the title of your podcast, I Love Success, because... I love to work with people who are all in on being the very best they can be. And that, of course, leads to success. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting you're talking about setting goals and there's systems, but being a creator is also uh, being very creative, right? And and uh, I, I meet a lot of people that are creators and sometimes some of them struggle with the structure and the goal settings and right. things of that nature. So how, how does that tie in and how can creators listening to this right now become better in structuring and setting goals to, to, to actually get somewhere? You know, I was doing a little research on, on you and I think you have like a three-step process, yeah. right? It's right in line with what I think about. Yeah. So here's what I remember and I don't think I'll get it right, but it's like have a dream, make a plan, take action. Am I close? Yeah, very close. Right. So that makes sense because as Dr. Phil says, someday is not a day of the week. So it's fine to say, okay, I, the goal I'm interested in is the following goal. I want to be the very best actor I can be, yeah. right? I don't want to be better than Brad Pitt, right? I want to be the best actor I can be with my body, my DNA, my talent, whatever that is. It's not a goal to say, I want to win an Oscar, because that's not up to you. You'd have to be in the right project, have the right marketing behind you, and have the right votes. So I can't control that. But I can control what I do with my talent. With that goal, then we can say, okay, if that's the North Star, where does training fit in? Right? Because there are all kinds of ways to train. 
And I would say that my training is trying to be a very elite training. Like we want to be in the Olympics. We want to work hard and play hard and be the very best we can be. And luckily for me, I didn't have to come up with the structure because my mentor was a man named William Esper and his mentor was a man named Sanford Meisner. And Sanford Meisner came up with this amazing system 70 years ago, which I follow in a very orthodox way. And it is a brilliant approach pedagogically, step by step by step. Again, I'm imagining very similar to martial arts training, where you start with white belt and there's certain things you do and then you progress. And if you keep following the steps and practice every day, you will get there you will certainly learn it, right? So the system is very, very, I know it's a, it's two years, 64 classes twice a week for eight months a year. So 128 classes. And it's very precise and very clear. And I know what I'm doing structurally in every class and each class builds on the class before it, right? So the structure, I luckily didn't have to come up with, but it really helped because When I trained at NYU, the structure was very hit or miss. And it actually started, I would, it it would be as if you started karate training with a tournament, right? And that makes no sense, right? You wouldn't start playing the violin with a concerto. You'd start with a scale, right? With what maybe you would call a kata, right? And you wouldn't start dance training with Swan Lake, but most uh, Western acting training starts with scenes, right? Mm-hmm. And Meisner came up with the equivalent of scales. And so they're very helpful to take an actor step by step by step, sort of like juggling where you start with one ball and then you add a second. And then when that feels secure, you add a third. And that systematic approach to training gives a very clear structure, which was incredibly helpful and liberating for me. I mean, they they say that discipline and structure equals freedom. Yes, uh, exactly. Which, which is, but if you talk to a lot of people that are talented, so to speak, yeah. uh, they hate structure. They hate they hate discipline. And so, how do you how do you tie that in with creators? Is that a challenge for you? Or no, because every you know, look, actors are weird. I mean, they're like. <laughs> You know, there are a lot of weird and flaky actors, but if you don't have good professional habits, you're not going to work. You can't, I mean, you can't just be late. You can't not know your lines. You show up on set for a new project for Netflix and there's a hundred people on set and they've committed $20 million or more to the project. You can't be a flake. So you can't just be, I'm talented. Because you also have to know your lines, which means put your butt in a chair and learn your lines. And you have to have worked out all the moments so that your work is clear and precise and interesting, right? So I have a student right now, she's very talented, but she won't do the work. And you can see it in her work, that her work is very hit or miss. And she knows it. She's one of those people you're talking about. Oh, I just hate to sit down and get into structure. I just want to wing it, but that doesn't work. Yeah, it's it's sad to see all those talents. I know in karate, my my father is my sensei, and mm. I wasn't talented at all. Mm. Uh, but I had this inner drive to to become good and do the work. And looking 
now when I'm in the position I am and I have had the performances that I've had, it feels good that I did that work. And I feel bad when I see, when I meet those uh, guys and girls that could have been champions, but they weren't willing to do the work. And I can see it in their eyes now that they have that regret, uh, yeah. which is, which is sad. Uh, what would you, how would your best students d- describe you? Like your favorite students, how would they describe you as a coach? Well, I want to, first of all, just make a distinction between the part of my work that's related to coaching and the part of my work that's related to teaching, because I, they're two separate streams of work for me. Um, So they would probably, if if it were the coaching people, which are like more like professional actors who are working, because in, in film and television, you have no time to rehearse now. And rehearsal is where you figure stuff out. So... There are a lot of professional actors whose name you you might know who hire me anytime they get a project. And then we go through their stuff a couple of weeks before, a couple of months before to really make sure everything's mapped out. Because if you're a film and TV actor, you have to show up on set ready to go, loaded up. Not just knowing your lines, but having a performance, an idea, a roadmap. So I think those people would describe me as um, smart. Um, full of good ideas, uh, fun to work with, and very detail-oriented so that they always leave a session, hopefully, um, feeling like, oh, I have a better handle on what I was going to do thanks to the work we did. And it's very collaborative. Like, it's not just me hand, you know, feeding them. They like, we, we talk about it. We see where they're coming from. Usually they have some ideas. And then we jam on those. Um, I think my students would say some of those things, but they would see me as um, a bit more hardcore, a bit more demanding, a bit more rigorous. I like to run a tight ship, not a mean ship, but a very disciplined shift. And I don't want to waste time. I mean, we work hard and we play hard. Acting has within it the spirit of play you know it's not just navy seals right but that discipline is helpful because you got to be all in because you're going to be competing with people look there are too many actors it's not like lawyers and doctors where we need lots of them right even with all the content there is there's still too many actors and so the only way to have an edge is to be the best person in the room and the only way to be consistently the best person in the room is to work your butt off how do you how do you work and help your your clients and and students with dealing with pressure? Because I, yeah. I can imagine that just like being an athlete, being an actor, it's tremendous pressure. It can be. I think you know when you talk to athletes, they they talk sometimes about like being in the zone, and things sort of slow down, like in the Matrix, yeah. and. I think uh, preparation is everything. So if you know you've done your work, you're going to feel less pressured. And there's a mantra um, that I like to use, which is like effort, which doesn't mean I don't care, but it means I'm not going to be controlled by tension. 
I'm doing this because I love acting. I feel good about my work. I feel ready because there's a lot of pressure on an actor and an athlete. It's, just, it's the, the World Series. It's the bottom of the ninth. Your team's behind by one run. There's a guy on base. You're either going to win the game or lose the game, right? And if you let that pressure get to you, chances are you'll freak out and stress yourself out. So you just got to go, I'm going to do my work. I'm going to look for the best pitch. And hopefully I connect. I mean, Michael Jordan famously said that he, I think, took 300 or more potential game-winning shots and didn't win the game. And it made him a winner to do that. He wants the ball, and sometimes you're not going to do it. Every actor has done bad work, but hopefully you come from a place of loving what you've done and loving the, the form and loving telling the story. And you, one thing that's cool about acting is we get to put our attention outside ourselves. So if I were to pressure myself to do a good podcast and interview with you, I'd be stressing out. But instead, I put my attention on you and the Cuban cafe behind you, and I'm looking at your shirt and looking at your smile and your teeth. And that attention coming off myself frees me up a little bit. So I think you have to stay loose. You have to stay playful, you know, not get tense physically and come from a place of love. I love doing this and I've done my work and I feel ready. It's a great feeling to feel like you know what you're doing and to walk in feeling I've done everything I can. And it's either going to work out or not, but really good actors tend to be consistent. And what if it, how do you, how do you come back to your students and clients? They prepared, done all the work and they lose out on that role that they really wanted. Like what, what, what's the discussion and how do you motivate them to move continue? on, move on, yeah. right? There's a guy I know, you know, we, we use these things called sides which is basically just a couple pages from a script, right? And you go in and you do your audition usually with some sides. And after every audition, he rips up the sides and throws them in the garbage because the work's out there. And you never know what's going to come of that. And you never know why you didn't get the part. One time, one of my first professional directing opportunities uh, I went to school and had a wonderful, extremely talented classmate who whose work I loved more than anybody in my class. And so when it came time to direct, man, did I want him to play the part. So he auditioned. He did a great job. It was a, it was a scene. It was a story between a man and a woman. But the best woman I saw, when they worked together, like the chemistry, because she was older and bigger, and she was the best for that part, made him look more like her son. So I wouldn't have been able to tell the right story if I cast him. So he didn't get the part. For his sake, I told him why. It wasn't because he didn't do a good audition. It was because it wasn't going to work for the project based on the other pieces in it. But actors rarely get that feedback. They usually just get, nope, you didn't get it. We loved you, but we're going in a different direction. That direction could be younger, older, taller, shorter, more blonde, less blonde, more ethnic, less ethnic. And it doesn't matter, right? Because you put the work out there and then you move on. And hopefully you get to have a lot of auditions. And if you keep doing good auditions, you're going to get cast eventually. One of the guys I work with is uh, Sam Rockwell. 
who's an amazing actor. We've been working together for 28, 29 years. One time, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, he auditioned for Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones is David Bowie's son and a wonderful film director and didn't get the part. Three years later, that audition made such an impression on Duncan that he wrote a movie for Sam, a movie called Moon, which is basically a one-man show. He plays like several different clones of himself. It's an extraordinary film, one of the best performances of that year. Um, So you never know where things are going to go. He didn't know when he did that audition and didn't get the part that the director was so blown away by him that he wrote a movie for him. So I just say, don't get discouraged. Don't take it personally. You know, because look at the odds. Let's say 200 actors audition for one part. You have a half a percent chance of getting it. So all you can do is just put your best work out there and move on. I can't tell you how many actors I've worked with who the feedback they get is, we loved your work, but we're going in a different direction. You can't take that personally. You just have to get back on the horse. Yeah. We were talking about success in, in the beginning of the yeah. podcast. Like yes. I'm, my goal is to redefine success. And that's why I meet with thought leaders just like yourself. Can you just share what's your definition of success? I was going to ask you what yours was. Yeah. So I have, I think my definition is something that I've heard from Maya Angelou. And that's uh, do, doing what you like, how you like it, when you like it. Mm. That sounds great. Um I but I'm still working on it. I'm, I'm learning yeah. new things from the people yes. that I meet. And I know that success should be different for everybody. You shouldn't, yes. chase, you shouldn't right. change someone else's success. Well, right. I don't think success is, is external validation. So I don't think you're a success because you won an Oscar. I think success has to do with, if it comes to acting, ultimately playing leading parts the best you can um in projects you care about right so if you would love to be in a streetcar named desire that's a part that's a project you'd love to do that tennessee williams play and you'd love to play blanche or you'd love to play stanley and you have something to add to it that comes from the artist in you meeting the artist in tennessee williams who wrote that that's fantastic right and i think uh, a life success would be to be able to do that consistently so that you get up every morning and you do the very best job you can collaborating with other wonderful artists, meaning writers, actors, directors, editors, sound people. That's thrilling, right? And to be able to do that and then to learn from your mistakes and come back and do it again better the next day. That to me would be success. So success for me has to do with longevity. Yeah. Right. I love that. And and also, I really like what you were saying. It's not about the external validation. Right. And, and it ties into something Tom Bilyeu said. Success is how you like yourself when you're with yourself. That's right. That's right. When no one's around. Yeah. Are you proud of yourself when no one's around? Right. That private behavior says everything. I, I love that. I like his, I like listening to him. He's all in. Yeah, he's awesome. How how important is is it to have uh, to 
we talk about when you act and pain, how important is pain in an actor's career and being able to express that? When you say pain, do you mean emotional pain or physical pain? Uh, emotional pain. Well, uh, hopefully an actor doesn't focus on one particular color, yeah. right? So I would say that what makes a great actor, among other things, is um, a richly lively temperament in all directions. So they can laugh, they can cry, they can get mad, they can get embarrassed. And we have an idea uh, usually that, oh, happiness is a good feeling and sadness or hurt is a bad feeling. But that would be like saying to a musician that a, a major chord is a is a nice chord and a minor chord or a diminished chord is a bad chord or the color blue is great but the color brown is not as good but really they're just part of nature and so um pain's not important but freedom and truth and authenticity and access to all your feelings is important does that come from ex uh, your own experience uh, to be able to pervade as an actor, or can you can you learn those those things? Well, luckily, um, if you're a human being, those feelings are usually part of the possibility. Now, it's true that in in growing up, some people get the message that certain feelings are unacceptable. So like if you had a Marine drill sergeant for a father, he said, don't cry. Boys don't cry. You would start to shut down your vulnerability. Or if you were kind of a wild child and then you got into trouble and you were told, "Don't you're, you're too crazy, man. You need anger management. Don't get angry. Then you would start to shut that down. So sometimes the training is as much about unlearning as it is about learning to gain, to regain access to what was your birthright. I now, certain people just in their temperament are fuller than others. My son is full of feelings. He, when he laughs, he laughs. When he cries, he cries. When he gets mad, he gets mad. I think in a way that was more intense than me, as I remember myself as a kid. That's just him. Other people are a little bit more contained. So you do want to free that up in a in a vigorous way, but but some people have it in smaller amounts than others. But as long as they can kind of get that going, they'll get what they need. And Terry, who who fills you up because you're giving so much to yeah. to others? Uh, how how do you keep your cup full, so to speak? Yeah. Well, I think you have to. You know, um, self care is important. Uh, it's first of all, my family's amazing. My son makes me smile and full of love every day, and we're very affectionate. My wife—I have an amazing wife who is a former actor and is a, a therapist and is from Ireland—and um, she's funny and passionate and deep. And um, one of the amazing benefits of this pandemic we're in is that I'm home all the time. So I have so much more time with them than I would if I were working at my studio. And that's an incredible blessing. So that's great. Um, working out, I have an amazing trainer 
um, who's a genius at the body and also very funny. And right now we're doing it on FaceTime, but I love, you know, that's very helpful to take care of the body. I like cooking. Um, I love playing the guitar that really fills my soul up. So every day I'm playing a little guitar and every day I'm doing something physical and every day I'm with my family and then going to see work, you know, and, and watching good shows. And right now it's all online. I can't go to a theater. Um, listening to music, uh, talking to my mom, she's 93 and, uh, and, uh, obviously we can't visit her right now, but she's, she's going strong. That's great. That's Being awesome. in touch with friends, um, just living life the fullest way I can. So we're going to finishing up, finish up now. I just want to ask you one, one last question. We're all about sharing tools and journeys as we've done today. But at the end of the day, I want the, the people that are watching and listening to this to, to actually take action in their own life. And so what would be your best advice for them to, to, to go after their dream? And what could be their first step? You know, this guy, James Clear, Atomic Habits, he's an interesting fellow and he, he studies how to create good habits and he's really into micro steps. So I think what intimidates people is if they want to climb Mount Everest, they, they think about the top instead of just the first step. So any step will help. So I'd say clarify the dream and, and, and do what you love. Don't do it because it's what your mother wants you to do or what your, your, your family says you should do or your, your neighbors. Like, What is going to make you want to get up in the morning and do something? And it's never too late to pursue that. I mean, in some cases, if you want to be a professional basketball player and you're 60 years old, that's challenging. But maybe you can coach or maybe you could write like there's some way you can get closer to the thing that makes you happy. There was a book years ago that said, do what you love and the money will follow. And so I would say the most important thing is to identify what would make you want to get up in the morning and approach that from love rather than fear, right? Fear is going to come in. Don't listen to that voice. Acknowledge it, but say, I, I want to do this. And then what is the first step you can take towards that? And just keep taking steps one by one by one. Thank you, Terry, for sharing that. Are you taking on students now? If there are people listening and watching this that would love to work with you? I, I am, uh, and also coaching clients for when these projects start up again. Um, you know, we're happy to have a conversation. We don't believe in auditions. A lot of schools do auditions, but we just do it through conversations. So they're welcome to look for my website, uh, Terry Knickerbocker Studio, all one word, dot com or Terry Knickerbark Studio on Instagram. We have a lot of fun on Instagram. You can message us and reach out and we'll be happy to have a conversation and see if it's a good fit, if we can help you to achieve your dreams. Terry, thank you so much. We'll share those links as well. Yeah. I appreciate your time. I appreciate what you do and that you are sharing so open-heartedly. A big mm. shout out to our friend Matthew Del Negro who introduced us to together. I'm super grateful for that. He's an amazing guy. And um, I'm just so grateful for this. Uh, uh, is there anything you want to say before we leave for, for 
for the day? Well, first of all, I want to say, Peter, you're a gentleman. You're, I can sense your kindness. I think kindness is very important right now in patience. It's stressful times, so self-care is really important. Um, take, take it easy. Go slow. Lower your expectations a little bit and know that things aren't going to work out sometimes just through technology and just be kind to yourself and to others. And um, yeah, uh, try to enjoy this time the best you can. It's a hard time we're in and everybody knows someone who got sick or who's perished. And I hope we come out on the other side of this a kinder, gentler, warmer uh, world. I hope we yeah. do. Yeah, I, I, I truly hope so as well that we remember. And my yoga teacher says, put your head in your heart. That's something mm. that I'm working on. Yes. And um, everybody that are still here listening an hour into this incredible conversation, first off, thank you for your time. Of course. And we do this for you. And if you want more of these conversations, go to ilovesuccess.co. Uh, we have almost 180 conversations now with top leaders just like Terry. Uh, also giving away a couple of free chapters of my book. Because uh, at the end of the day, we're giving all of this for free. Yep. The only thing we ask is that you, you take your life seriously enough to do something beautiful with, with it. Yes, to go after right. your dreams, to do what you love. And if you enjoy this conversation, share it with somebody that can have have some meaning in listening to this that also can improve their life. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, Terry. Hope okay. to see you. Thank you. It's a virtual hug. <laughs> uh, same to you. You can feel yeah. that actually. When I yeah. reach out to you, you can feel it. <laughs> I felt it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Take care. Thank you, Peter. All right. Thank you. Stay safe. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.